Office Depot Office Max has great deals on everything you need to succeed, like stylish furniture and chairs to keep you working comfortably, the latest tech to keep you organized and productive, calendars and planners to keep you on schedule, and cleaning supplies to keep your space spotless. It's the perfect time to stock up on the supplies you need to succeed from the office to your home and everywhere in between. Need it fast? No problem. Place your order at officedepot.com and pick it up in just 20 minutes at your nearest Office Depot or Office Max store. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 542. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We passed an important milestone on Sunday, ladies. We are now less than a year away from the 2020 election. (laughs) (laughs) So close, but yet so far. Yeah, that's going to be the longest fucking year ever i'm i still can't believe we're now a year away it still feels like 2016 was yesterday and we were crying in a bar <laughs> so over true. The, the outcome well it's because i still cry in bars about the outcome <laughs> <laughs> somebody who will not be president this time next year or president elect i should say is beto he decided to drop out a couple days ago kind of sad because he was a hot guy a couple years ago and maybe now it's just not his time yeah, I honestly don't think he's ready for prime time yet. But mm. I think he's somebody to keep an eye on and be aware of because he certainly resonates with a lot of um progressive voters. And I think that this won't be the last that we see of him. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. The New York Times released some new polls and it shows that Biden can beat Trump in four states. Sanders can beat Trump in three states. And Warren, as of right now, can beat Trump in one state. And these states were all uh, toss-up states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, Arizona, North Carolina. So right now, Biden seems to be the most popular candidate, the person who can beat Trump. Though, if you if you look at the polls recently, there's been this Elizabeth Warren surge overall. So, Well, I think, first of all, this far out, national polls don't mean as much just because they're not digging into the nitty gritty on the state and local levels, which is, I think, a really important place to look. Because if you look at a lot of these districts that Obama won in his second election that flipped to Trump in 2016, he is actually showing faltering support in those districts. So I'm more Mm. interested in getting down to the nitty gritty on the local level than looking at national polls at this point. The other thing is that this far out, people, the average Joe really isn't paying attention to this election. And Joe Biden gets by on name recognition because he was vice president to one of the most popular presidents in American history. Mm-hmm. That was back when everybody liked Biden and they had no problems with him. And now... People just shit all over up. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a big difference between vice presidency and presidency. So mm-hmm. that makes it. Yeah. Also, he hasn't really done himself any favors. Nope. Yeah. Um, I, I really I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, Laura's right. None of this really means very much until the playing field gets whittled down. Um, but right now, I mean, like, Biden knows that the name recognition will take him at least to 
probably like almost the bitter end, if not the bitter end. Um, so I feel like he's really kind of just co- coasting by and and trying to uh, repair any uh, minor dents in his reputation. But I, I don't think that we've really seen any of the guns come out blazing. Let's predict the Democratic ticket. Who is going to be on the ballot a year from now? Are you saying who do we think it's going to be or who do we think would be the smart choice? No, who we think it's going to be. I could see a Biden-Warren ticket coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Ideally, and what I think would be a smart choice, but also um, a winnable option would be Warren Buttigieg. Mm. That would be an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. I feel like they would even each other out really well, too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Even like where they stand um, separately on health care, like universal health care, I feel like it would be very advantageous to have people that don't have the same views going in, you know, because then you'd be more likely to assume that eventually you could reach a happy medium with something like that. So and that's just one issue. I'm going to say Biden Buttigieg. Really? They, those two like each other already. And I think Biden is the choice people are going to lean towards, just like they did Clinton. Old and familiar. Hmm. And then, uh, yeah, he'll get somebody young and hip to balance out his age. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really bummed that like Kamala is probably not a viable option anymore yeah. because she's just great. I, I just think that, you know, she is really eloquently spoken and she's tough in the way that we need somebody to be tough right now. And just watching her take down um, all of these individuals and the debates and, and, and beyond has just been really, really great. Like she's been doing the best out of everything we everybody we've seen so far, really. Her and Warren, mm-hmm. but I, I think unfortunately, um, Kamala Harris's campaign is having to spend too much time explaining her. And that usually doesn't bode well for candidates. I will say that whoever the nominee is, she should be their top choice for attorney general should oh, they win the yeah. election. She'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe it's just not Kamala's time right now. Yeah, it's Another true. election or two, I could see her doing a lot better. Yeah, and she's yeah. still young enough that she yeah. she could definitely run a couple other races. So on to some other things. I did something big today, ladies. I tried CBD oil for my first time. Ooh. How did that go yeah. for you? Uh, great. I was so high. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't know if there was a placebo effect or if something actually did happen. I will tell you that I feel like I did get a little tired 20 to 30 minutes after taking it, just put it under my tongue, let it sit there for 30 seconds, and then I swallowed, per the instructions from Feels. But I have just, I've been drinking more lately just to take the edge off at night. And we had heard recently that we might have a CBD oil sponsor on the show. So I was like, well, fuck it. Let me just try try it already because my mom uh, has been using it for pain management. I know, Laura, you've been uh, taking it mm-hmm. and liking it. And it's it's safe and you don't get high. So I was like, okay. So yeah, th- I don't know. Maybe it worked a little bit. It's it's too early to say. It might have. I mean, you're definitely going to see more consistent results from it the longer you use it. Um, from okay. what I've heard from people who know more about these things than I do, 
it's kind of like a two-week-ish thing of consistent dosing before you're seeing consistent results from it. Okay. Um, but CBD is also very subtle. It's not like THC that like gets you high and you can discernibly feel the effects of it. CBD is definitely a little more <laughs> casual than that. Um, for me, it does things like just generally reduce anxiety. Um, it yeah. doesn't make all my anxiety go away. That would be fucking amazing. Um, but it definitely t- <laughs> helps take the edge off and it makes it easier to go to sleep at night. Okay. You know, I don't stay awake as long <laughs> letting my anxiety yeah. brain like go through all of the terrible things that happened that day. <laughs> I took the lowest dosage, which was 600 milligrams. Mm-hmm. Um, it said the other two. So I got the sample pack from Fields. They give you a 600, a 1200, and a 2400. It's just a single dose of each. I only do 500. Oh, you do? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I split it up. So I do part of it in the morning and part of it at night before bed. Okay. That way I'm getting it like pretty evenly throughout the day and it's not all hitting me at once. Mm-hmm. So that may be something to try too. Yeah. Per your instructions, I tried the smallest one. I will try the 1200 maybe tomorrow morning. Um, it said 1800, you're going to, or sorry, the uh, 2400, you're going to start feeling uh, a little lethargic. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, not in the middle of the day, please. <laughs> well, at least you have warning. Right. <laughs> I'll do that one at night when I need to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, I'll keep people posted because I see the benefits of it. It's just rising in popularity. So I would really love to uh, make this work for me. Yeah, so Sam in the Discord says, if you felt high on CBD, definitely placebo. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I didn't feel high. Anyway, so Apple TV Plus premiered on November 1st. And Laura, I think you've watched a couple shows, right? Well, I watched the first episode of The Morning Show. Uh And um, the other show that I'm actually looking forward to is called Truth Be Told. And it's not out until December 6th, so I won't be able to watch that one for a little bit but i kind of felt like the morning show was meh Mm. it felt like it was trying to be like an aaron sorkin show but -hmm. it just wasn't as well written one of the first words you hear in the show is somebody going fuck i was Mm. like okay is apple trying to be edgy now (laughs) i was surprised by that because there were reports that they were actually gonna try to talk the creators out of a lot of cursing they wanted like family friendly shows but this one is definitely not that no there's a lot of cursing and also allusions to characters having extramarital affairs and things like that so definitely not like a kid's show um i mean it wasn't terrible it just it's not something that drew me in enough that i feel like i need to watch the rest of it to find out what happens i actually am gonna watch the rest of it i've watched two and a half episodes so far that's how many they've released so far which i love by the way here's a streaming app doing weekly releases just like disney plus will i actually have really been enjoying the show i do find it pretty dramatic i like the uh plot lines they're developing just have a big end game and they all conflict with each other so it's pretty mm. interesting to follow and i'm a news junkie and like a 24-hour news junkie so i'm i'm into the setting i think i lean towards um your view on it i i am also yes. just like really invested because you know of the industry that we're in and also just keeping up with news and um, having worked in a broadcast station before. So I just find it really intriguing. Um, But I think that Laura's um, 
description of it being Sorkin is very spot on because right away I just got um, newsroom vibes. And I feel like I just really am upset that HBO canceled that way before it should have. So I'm getting my newsroom-ish fix with the morning show now. And it could also be that because I'm a big Sorkin fan, but I really didn't like the newsroom. Mm. Oh, so it could it could just be that this reminded me too much of it's that. Possible, mm-hmm. but I will. Say, I mean, the production value is yeah. There. I really like the way it's shot and how it switches from like everything, even down to like the fake ticker headlines, is is great. So as I brought up on the most recent After Dark, I was able to get some Disney Plus screeners as well. And the only one I've watched so far is High School Musical, the musical, the series. This is a Disney Plus original. Yes, that is the real title of the show. That is the full thing. And they are not even trying to abbreviate it. Um, I liked it. It was sharp. It was funny. It's very 2019. But there's a love triangle set in a high school that basically is the main focus of this series. And I just feel weird watching teenagers <laughs> duke it out romantically with each other. So I am just not into it. I don't think I'm going to watch it. Pat was pretty uh, underwhelmed as well. So I think that shows for teens. <laughs> but that surprised me because we all grew up with High School Musical. So I thought it might be more geared towards us young adults who really loved those two TV movies and that theatrical movie high school musical three i was obsessed with that's actually too bad because the trailer was really well done i thought it it really was not honestly this was not the title i was most looking forward to for disney Mm plus but after watching the trailer and seeing the d23 footage of the panel and like the the real life chemistry of cast members i was like oh i'll check that out so it's too bad to hear that both of you were underwhelmed as disney aficionados It was very meta mm-hmm. as well. Maybe that's what you were getting from the trailer. So maybe you um, liked it for that maybe. reason. Maybe. I just really, I think I set the bar really low because the, first of all, the title is stupid, which yeah. is the whole, the fact that it was getting greenlit at all was just really weird. It felt like it was grasping at straws. And then I think because my expectations were so low, the trailer was like, oh my God, that actually looks not that bad. Well, if your bar is still low, give it a try. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe. You're into more of that teen stuff than I am, Pam. I do watch. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't. It's funny that you mentioned that um, watching teenagers um, like in love triangles and stuff like that weirds you out, because I feel like that is a very prevalent conversation that's happening right now in terms of people that consume a lot of pop culture. Um, but then mm-hmm. I, I watch like the CW and I feel like what takes me out of that is um, how old <laughs> all the characters that are supposed to be playing teenagers look on um, yeah. networks like the CW, but Disney has a uh, kind of more of a reputation for casting people that are closer to the age. So I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of makes it a little odd. You know, it's very easy mm-hmm. to suspend belief when you're watching something like Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's exactly the problem. I really feel like I'm watching teens. <laughs> well, I have to give Disney props for not casting 30 year olds to play high schoolers. Yeah, or... that's that's good. Although I wouldn't have minded seeing Zac Efron again. <laughs> Guess uh, Troy Bolton is not coming Still back in to high coach school. the basketball team, huh? No, that would have been great, though. No, he just would have been a super senior. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so speaking of some more millennial-related news, on Thursday, we recorded our breaking news benefit for the month of October to talk about the latest impeachment news. On Thursday, Democrats 
in the House uh, basically managed to get through their impeachment regulations in order to keep the investigation going that basically bring the testimonies into the public uh, hearing as opposed to being behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. So we really dug into that and what it means and what we think we might have to look forward to. This was one of our Bay benefits over at patreon.com slash millennial. And don't forget the bigger news. You spoke about My Chemical Romance. (laughs) I was actually thinking we should make them our outro music for today, (laughs) if you'll indulge me. Um, So yeah, we did talk about the MCR reunion. Uh, A couple of us are very excited about that. Yes. (laughs) Take two guesses. (laughs) Um, But that's one of the many benefits that we offer over at patreon.com slash millennial. You get things like After Dark, Hashing It Out, Access to Planning Documents, Palace Intrigue, and a ton of other things. This show exists because of y'all's support. We're able to make the time for this in our day-to-day lives and able to prioritize it because of y'all's generous support. So we really, really appreciate everybody who's supporting the show currently. And if you're interested, head on over to Patreon. Check it out. Yeah, thank you. And speaking of sponsorship, Untuck It is once again sponsoring this week's episode of Millennial. Their name says it all. Have you ever seen an untucked button down? They look so bad. It looks like you forgot to tuck it in because they weren't meant to be worn that way. But we want to wear them that way. I know I do. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite person who needs an upgrade. Pat and I both love them. And this week on social media, we'll post a pic of Pat biking 20 miles wearing one of these things. That's not what you would do with a regular button-down shirt, but the untucked shirts offer a perfect blend of style, comfort, and flexibility. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. Visit untuckit.com and use code M-I-L-L for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code M-I-L-L for 20% off your Untuckit shirt. Thank you, Untuckit, for sponsoring this week's episode of Millennial. And speaking of millennials, I have a idea for a segment I want to start doing more regularly Often we're looking on Twitter or in the New York Times or in Google News, and we see these headlines about millennials. Millennials do this. Millennials do that. Millennials are killing this. Millennials are bringing back that. Okay, millennial. I thought we could start looking at some of these stories with headlines about millennials. Do they truly know us or are they lying to us? So there was a new report from the Washington Post More work, more sleep. New study offers glimpse of daily life as a millennial. I read through the data here. They say they spent more time working, providing childcare, and taking part in educational activities than their older peers. But they spent less time than non-millennials on household chores, civic or religious work, and leisure activities. That's largely due to the fact that, compared with older generations, millennials were more likely to be working, taking care of young children, or still be enrolled in school. 
So, so far, does this information align with what you two believe? Um, I would say a lot of it, with the exception of more sleep. Okay. I, I don't think that I'm getting as much sleep as this uh, study indicates people in our generation are. Yeah, so it says millennials get nine hours of shut-eye each day compared to 8.6 hours recorded by their older peers. I definitely don't get nine hours of sleep. No. That sounds like a lot. I'm lucky if I get that once a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a weekend thing. Yeah, and not even that's not even uninterrupted because like as pet owners, I think we all have dogs that wake us up at certain times. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I go to bed. Well, I want to go to bed by 11. I'm usually in bed around 11 and then I'm staring at my phone thinking about life for an hour. And then my hand hurts from holding my phone for so long. (laughs) So I have to put it down. (laughs) And then I maybe fall asleep. (laughs) And then I'm up by like 730. I'm usually snoozing for a half hour, though. So I'm usually up by eight. Yeah, I my goal is to be in bed by midnight, but that never happens. So it's usually more like one. And then I get up at eight. It's about seven hours, sometimes less, depending on if I get particularly uh, engrossed in something and end up staying up even later, which definitely happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely don't get enough sleep. And I know this. I think that usually like I'll be asleep by earliest, maybe 1230 or one in the morning. And that's not because that's when I would like to go to sleep. It's just because my mind is is still racing. It takes a while for me to settle down. And then there's all the other stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that I randomly think about before I'm trying to get some rest. And then I'm up usually um, at 6.30. Oh, wow. So that's when Jasper likes to use the bathroom. And if I'm really tired, I'll try and go back to bed but usually i'm not sleeping i'm just kind of like lying in a state of vegetation (laughs) with my eyes open state of vegetation knows that uh morning walkies are 8 (laughs) a.m yeah no he just like he doesn't want to go walking outside because like let's be real it's cold at that time and jasper's not a fool (laughs) so brooklyn when we first but but he wants to be like up he wants the living room to be open so he can go like sit in there Mm -hmm. When I first adopted Brooklyn, he would start scratching at my bed or at the bedroom door like at 6 or 7 a.m. And when I after adopting him, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to sleep in late again, am I? Because he's just going to keep doing this for the rest of his life. But he grew out of that, thank God. And he, <laughs> other than giving me a silent stare, he never actually asks me to go out. So that's nice. <laughs> um, so some other data here. Millennials spent half as much time each day relaxing and thinking than older generations so we're relaxing and thinking less <laughs> that's that's dangerous i think that's wrong i i don't i think too much <laughs> i'm sure yeah what does that mean Some thinking like yeah i don't know what like are they imagining that we all have zen gardens that we can go out <laughs> into and just connect with the higher spiritual power like i don't yeah i don't know what like, are they talking about studying or participating in some kind of, like, academic leisure, like reading or writing? I guess so. Yeah, thinking That's is a very how broad I would word. Thinking. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about what? It's all that binge watching. They think that we just sit in front of the TV and watch Netflix for hours, probably. So can I make a confession? Yeah. <laughs> binge watching for me is usually nap time. <laughs> So, you, so, like, I'll put on a show, 
and I'll just let episodes roll and I'll just kind of fall asleep to them because I guess it's comforting to have like white noise in the background. Yeah. But then if it's something I'm actually interested in, I have to go back and rewatch the episodes that I slept. During. Yeah, that sounds like it sucks. That's me with podcasts. I'll play a podcast a night as I fall asleep and it really helps me fall asleep, which I love. But then, yeah, I have to rewind the next day because I missed like probably a good half hour before I uh, was able to pause it half asleep. I also fall asleep during movies, like if we're watching them at home, Mm -hmm. not at the theater, but like the other night, actually, we put on a movie. I fell asleep during the movie and I woke up at one point because the sound was particularly loud because there was this like big dramatic score and everything. So I like sat up, bolted upright reached for the remote and was like, oh, can we turn this down and turned it down? And right when I did that, it rolled to credits. <laughs> and Mark just burst out laughing. <laughs> he just slept through the whole thing. Oh, that's great. I've definitely fallen asleep in the movie theater a couple of times. Really? Oh, yeah. Ugh. I'm trying to remember the movies. I can't right now. I did that once for that movie Role Models with uh paul rudd and i can't remember who else and the only reason i fell asleep is because we um we were day drinking and didn't i was (laughs) like really young (laughs) didn't realize how much we had had to drink and i didn't want to drive and we didn't like particularly want to go anywhere else so we decided to go to the movies instead and that was the only thing that was playing at the Mm. time so we went to see that and i passed out in the theater for two hours at least you remember what movie you fell asleep watching (laughs) it's better than i could say (laughs) but um oh great just activated siri stop Hey, Siri, stop. Oh, my God. She was reading every movie that's playing. She was like, do you need help finding a movie to fall asleep to, Andrew? Let (laughs) me give you a list. (laughs) Crimes of Grindelwald. (laughs) And just one more bit of info. Both groups spent the largest share of their free time watching television, apparently. But on any given day, millennials were, were still less likely to watch TV. And when they did, they spent less time doing so. No info about falling asleep doing this, though. That'd be nice. Yeah. Is it really watching TV if I fall asleep? No, absolutely not. (laughs) You're the reason they have that, are you still watching feature. I always interpret that as the passive aggressive way of the service being like, don't you need to like put on pants? Yeah. Take a shower. Go outside. Shower today? (laughs) Yes or no? If you say no, it cuts over to, uh, tutorial on how to take a shower no it just cuts over to marie kondo's show about decluttering your life (laughs) yeah there you go we asked people in our facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show how much sleep do you get on average each night Uh, a lot of people asked do you mean in total implying that they wake up a bunch of times i'm sorry to hear that that happens Uh, most people said seven to eight hours 199 people said that 186 people said five to six hours. 13 people said they get nine or more hours per night. And then five people said four or less hours per night. That was me in grad school. Mm. I was a mess. So overall, does this report accurately reflect us? I would say so. Yeah, I I have a couple of disagreements, but for the most part, yeah, definitely... um, Less time on household chores for me. (laughs) I hate chores. I hate household things. 
So yes, that is very much true for me. I hate household things. <laughs> like what? Changing a <laughs> light bulb? No, but like cleaning. I mean, we do it, but I still don't like it. Yes. I'm not filthy or anything. I just don't. In, I don't get joy out of cleaning things like some people do. I do. It's therapeutic. I do, you know what? I'll give you that. I do start organizing when I'm anxious. Even like stupid things like I'll organize my pens mm. or the bookshelf <laughs> or something like that. You can probably relate to this, Pam. I just like to get up for a second, <laughs> get away from the computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that too. So having something to do yeah. besides staring at the computer that isn't right. watching TV or movies or playing video games. Um, there's not much else besides cleaning. Honestly, I think that's why I, I make it a point to cook every night. Yeah. Because it, it's like I'm standing up and I'm doing things like with my hands that aren't just like typing away on the keyboard. And then I have to wash everything. So it takes time. Yeah. So moving into the news, I thought we could do another segment of the Washington Minute, where we try to cover the big stories out of our nation's capital in the last week or so in 60 seconds or less. Laura, Andrew, do you have the... <laughs> yes, I just want to remind everybody that last time you basically nailed it. You hit that 60 second <laughs> timer perfectly. So can you do it again? I don't know. There's a lot to cover this week. All right. I'm ready when you are. House committees released the first transcripts from the closed-door testimonies of former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Yovanovitch and former State Department advisor Michael McKinley. TLDR, the White House is bullying anyone who complies with the subpoena. Trump allies are publicly naming the person they believe to be the whistleblower, and U.S. senators are retweeting this info. Looking at you, Rand Paul. <laughs> the Justice Department is demanding identifying details of the anonymous author of A Warning, telling the publisher that the author might be subject to non-disclosure agreements based on their alleged position. 30. As a senior staff member, President Trump lost an appeal to prevent a Manhattan grand jury from seeing his tax returns, which we're guessing show that all roads lead to Moscow. And on that note, Trump also just so happened to change his state of residence from New York to Florida over the weekend. For anyone wondering at home, Florida offers a lovely climate, sunny beaches, and very friendly asset protection laws for people holding massive amounts of debt. And finally, a new Wall Street Journal and NBC poll found that 49% of Americans favor the impeachment and removal Time. of President Florida man. All right. Yeah, that's still good. 61 a seconds. A little bit over. Pretty good. Yeah, just by a second. <sighs> I need to be able to save timers. Laura's Washington Minute number two. <laughs> <laughs> like a race. So yeah, just like listen to that at half speed if you really want to hear it. Sure. Um, I think the TLDR <laughs> overall is that Trump continues to suck. Okay. He does, but he's also terrified. Yeah. Every, everything that he's done over the last couple, I mean, really in general, but particularly these last couple of weeks show that he can see the writing on the wall mm -hmm. and knows that one way or another, this is not going to end well for him. I love that he lost the appeal to keep his tax returns hidden. That's great. I mean, he's still fighting this, and I believe they said they're going to take it to the Supreme Court, but man. Yeah, which is just fucking outrageous why would you do that <laughs> wow what are you hiding because it's gonna show one of three things it's going to show that he's not as rich as he says he is that he's not been paying his taxes or that as i said all roads lead to moscow 
Or it could show all three. Could show all three. <laughs> in least, all likelihood. At least two of those. <laughs> Definitely the first two it's going to show. Yeah. Oh, the man holds massive debt. There's a reason why he's changing his state of residence to Florida. I mean, how like embarrassing is that? Aren't you supposed to be thinking about the country right now, not yourself? He's not capable of that. I know, but it's... Uh, oh, Speaking of not caring about the american people obama's out here tweeting about open enrollment again and trump is you know just talking about how healthcare is in the gutter wow our own president is not looking out for our own health that's that's terrible andrew who knew healthcare could be so hard nobody expected it to be hard <laughs> it's supposed to be easy well i feel like laura's washington minute was a very strange but fitting prelude to what's going on over at netflix um they're actually uh, introducing a new feature right now. It's in test mode. It's only in test mode for mobile users of Android, though. So basically what this lets people do is either speed up the titles that they're watching as much as 1.5 times the normal speed or slow it down about half the time of the normal speed. So Netflix said that they're testing this feature because it's been frequently requested by members. <laughs> they also added that similar features have long been available on DVD players, so don't come for them. Uh, <laughs> that's but true. that's not really uh, what people are doing. People are actually coming for them. And a lot of the people that are being extremely vocal about their dist distaste for this test feature are the filmmakers themselves. Directors like Peter Ramsey, who directed Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and also Brad Bird of The Incredibles have all spoken out against speeding up and slowing down. And then also notably, Judd Apatow had some really strong words for Netflix as well. Um, a condensed version of what he said was, quote, we give you nice things, leave them as they were intended to be seen. Distributors don't get to change the way the content is presented. Doing so is breaking of trust and won't be tolerated by the people who provide it. Yeah. Let the people who don't care put it in their contracts that they don't care. Most all do. So people are taking this pretty seriously, yeah. at least like if you are a, a, an artiste of film. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? Is this a smart move on Netflix's part? Is this something that would interest you to try that was available? I guess I don't understand what the appeal of slowing it down would be. <laughs> I don't. I assume it would help with foreign film if you're a slow reader of subtitles. Mm. But then just pause it. Mm. That'd be too smart, Laura. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I guess I just like what are are people like trying to get into the frame rates on animated stuff, like into the Spider Verse? I I don't know. I think Maybe. the the bigger issue. Well, they're both problematic, but. I would think more people would want to speed up the content so they can get through it faster and thus watch more. People do this with audiobooks. They do it with podcasts. With podcasts, it's it's not as big of a deal. But audiobooks are arguably an art form as well. So why haven't we complained about that? On the other hand, I do see where these people, including Judd Apatow, are coming from being angry about this because they do write these scripts, direct these, shoot these, design the sound in a way that's very purposeful. And by letting people mess with your timing, it ruins the story that you're trying to tell. So I don't think Netflix is going to continue testing this. They would just continue to piss off Hollywood. 
and people don't need it. How about you just watch less content so you have to rush through less of it as well? I guess, and this could just be my ignorance of entertainment showing, I guess I don't understand why creators are upset about it. Because I feel like if I, for instance, if Netflix didn't roll this feature out and I really wanted to, I could go out and buy a Judd Apatow movie and play it and fast forward through it. You're saying because it already exists, it shouldn't be a big deal, these types of features. Right. I guess, well, one, I don't understand why the demand is there because it already exists. But then also, I don't understand why people are reacting this way to something that, like you said, already exists. No, but the problem is these creators are designing their storytelling in a way that the timing matters in the stories that they're telling. I agree. I I think Judd Apatow and others just don't want this feature to continue existing. Like, yeah, it's been out there with VHS and DVD, but it's time to get rid of it, (laughs) I guess is what they're saying. I mean, I guess also it's like, how many of us actually remember that being a feature that we use regularly on DVD players? I feel like when Netflix introduces a feature, it's very prevalent. You know, they place it in a place that's easy to find. So people are more enticed to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I honestly, like... I I don't know. I feel like maybe a happy medium for this would be to make that feature available to older titles that have been around for a while. So like if you wanted to like marathon, say, The Office in, um, you know, in double time, I feel like that would be okay. But to think of somebody experiencing, say, like The Irishman which is Netflix's biggest upcoming title and watching that at double time, that kind of seems um, a little silly, especially given how much money Netflix pays to, uh, to turn out these original titles and to get these bigger names. Maybe Hollywood is also thinking, yes, this feature has existed, but you had to watch these movies in a theater or live and you weren't able to fast forward or go slower through them now with netflix debuting lots of originals like the irishman people who watch it for their first time might play it back double time well listeners tell us why do you listen to things at double the speed because i'm sure we have plenty of people who do that is it to consume more that's probably the only reason why i I think so i have a couple friends that do this with audiobooks and they they listen to them at like you know, double the speed or two point. I think it goes up to an insane amount, yeah. right? Like you can speed it up in an insane amount. And I wouldn't have a problem with it, except then they go, oh, how many books have you read this year? We'll be like, oh, I read like 24 books. You know, I try and read an average of two books a month. I try. I don't always hit the mark. Then they go, oh, you only read 20? I read like 160. I was like, well, yeah, but there's oh, a difference whatever. between me. Reading a book and you listening to it at like three times the normal. Oh my god! Yeah does does the story even resonate at that point? Okay, this is my question too. I assume that after a certain amount of time, you get used to it. Kind of like when you listen to music, and like you're so familiar with the song that it, even though it's like like sung or rapped really fast, it feels like it's slowed down because you know what all the words are. I assume like your brain just adjusts, but at the same time. I've heard people like in passing listening to things at double time. And I think to myself, like, I barely caught a word of that. How are you actually processing what is being said? Yeah, I feel like an idiot admitting that, but it's absolutely true. 
Yeah, well, and I just think about the emotional reactions you have to things. Like Michelle Obama's book, there were a couple of points that I had to sit it down and cry. Yeah. How do you do that when you're listening to something on double and triple speed? Right. You're adding a cry button. <laughs> It'll slow it down to normal speed for two minutes so you have time to let it out and grab some tissues and then it'll speed back up again all right well in just a little while we'll be taking some questions from our bays and a couple had questions about the holidays everybody's already getting into the holiday spirit with halloween now out of the way did you know vistaprint offers all kinds of holiday cards i didn't know this Oh, wow. I'm so used to using them only for business cards. Yeah. I love doing Christmas cards. It tells people in your life that you care. It says that you want to say hello. It reminds them that you exist. And they're they're also just so nice to receive. You can't help but smile. I decided I'm going to think ahead when it comes to my holiday preparations this year. I'm not going to leave my holiday cards to the last minute this year. So I went to Vistaprint to order custom cards, and it was so easy to make something that I know everybody will love to get. I honestly can't wait for people to see them and hang them up for the season. Using Vistaprint for your holiday cards could not be easier. You pick a shape, you pick one of their designs, you upload a photo or photos you want to use, you write a little message on the card, and you're done! They also offer many of their cards in embossed foil to really make them pop in the mailbox. So are you ready to get your cards done for the holidays? And don't forget, Vistaprint offers business cards, custom calendars, and all types of other products that are dead easy to design. So this season, make more merry at vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and photo calendars, plus other great deals on photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code MILL50. That's vistaprint.com promo code MILL50 for up to 50% off. Offer expires on January 5th, so obviously that's plenty of time to use this coupon code before before the holidays. By using our promo codes and our links, you're supporting the show and you're getting a great offer in the process. So thank you so much. And ladies, put that code to work, okay? Honestly, that's a really good deal because Christmas cards are expensive. Yeah. Yes, they are. And these are personalized and we already did enough handwriting this year. <laughs> so That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Write a card digitally with your keyboard. Looking at a little bit more news before we hop into our Bay Choice questions, I wanted to go back to basics here and talk about a hidden from the headline story. Mm, haven't done this in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. And this is a story that has gotten some press, but I, I would argue it's not gotten enough press. And what little it's gotten has not been the right kind of press. What I'm talking about here are the protests that have been happening in Hong Kong since this summer. Have y'all seen anything about this? I have seen bits and pieces, but not a ton. Yeah, and that's because it's not been a super popular sexy story that a lot of outlets are trying to give time to in the West. So before we dive into what is going on behind the protests right now, I thought we could look at a little history And also provide the disclaimer that none of us are Chinese. To my knowledge, no one on this panel has visited Hong Kong. Yes. Correct. I would want to state that our frame of reference for this has some pretty limited context. So we're really going to be sticking to facts um, and, and trying not to like 
insert ourselves into this because it's certainly not our story to tell, but it is something we want attention to be brought to. If we get anything wrong in this discussion, please write in and let us know because we always want to be better informed. So for a little bit of background, Hong Kong was a British colony until 1997. Um, And even though it has since returned to Chinese rule, it has operated with more autonomy by having its own judiciary um, and separate legal systems from mainland China. And this is known as one country, two systems. It's sort of like it's known as one of the basic laws. Those freedoms are set to expire in 2047. And even though we know there's an end date, it's not immediately clear what Hong Kong's status will be at that point, which seems like is generating some anxiety and uncertainty for the people in Hong Kong. In April, an extradition bill was introduced that would have allowed criminal suspects to be extradited to mainland China in certain cases. And this caused a lot of concern amongst people in Hong Kong because Hong Kong, as I mentioned a moment ago, has its own judiciary and legal system. Mm. So this made a lot of folks question, wait, why would we be extraditing people to mainland China when we have our own system here? So demonstrations began and sustained all summer related to that proposed extradition bill. Um, And they did have an impact because the bill was suspended, but the demonstrations have evolved to become about demanding full democracy for Hong Kong. And I think I think this is really interesting because there's a lot of footage that you can find of people in Hong Kong taking to the streets. Apparently, it's a daily event Mm. and you see people demanding independence from mainland China, even expressing a desire for help from the U.S. and the U.K., the U.K. in particular, because Hong Kong was a British colony Mm -hmm. until relatively recently. And this has had a big impact even on pop culture and like industrial culture. So uh, Coach and Versace, two pretty big fashion companies we're all aware of, they actually had to formally apologize for creating T-shirts that listed Hong Kong as a country independent of China. This did not go over well to the point where um, Chinese supermodel Lu Wen had to quit her job. Well, she didn't have to quit her job. She chose to quit her job as Coach's Chinese ambassador And she did this to the tune of a $22 million breach of contract. Hmm. It's that serious. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to put this out into the world, but also to get y'all's take on this. I mean, we could really be witnessing history in the making, Mm -hmm. even not coming down on like one side of this issue, because I don't think it's ours to opine on. We could really be watching something that will be reported in the history books. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunate that it's not getting widely reported in our press. This was interesting for me because I didn't realize there was an expiration that expiration date there of 2047. I had no idea about that. Yeah, I didn't know about that either. And I knew that Hong Kong was a British colony, but I didn't know that it was until 1997. Yeah, that's very recent. Yeah, that's really recent. <laughs> yes. The idea of a colony... Sounds so antiquated, but it really does kind of 
force us to ground ourselves Mm-hmm. And remember that it's not been that long. And I know that there's a lot of um, former British colonies that have really kind of suffered over the years. Like they, even though they're not colonies anymore, um, you know, like the remnants of that and like the break off still like really remains prevalent. Um, like the the most like the biggest example I can think of is Jamaica. Um, but like this is a completely different beast, especially because you know, um, the economy is much different over here in, in, in China and in Hong Kong and stuff like that. But it is kind of crazy because I think you think about all of, um, like British letting go of all those territories, um, you know, way further back than when we were alive, for sure. Right. Kind of like when you think about the Berlin Wall and how it really didn't fall Mm. very long ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were alive for that. Right, exactly. Recent history. Yeah, I mean, we were babies, but we were, we existed. (laughs) We lived Um, it. And what I also thought was really interesting here is that I, just in doing the research around this, I saw a lot of American reactions to this. And there was a lot of shock at the idea that Hong Kong was a colony until 1997. And wondering, like, well, how could that possibly still have been a practice at that point? And I would just like to observe that the U.S. doesn't have colonies, but we do have this thing called territories. (laughs) And uh, many of those, in fact, really, Puerto Rico is a state, but like, or it's not a state, but it is an official U.S. territory, and they are granted citizenship. They're the only ones. Hmm. Our other territories, we don't grant citizenship to those people, and yet somehow we rule over them. So we're still doing that. And it's really interesting to me to look at Hong Kong and wonder what might happen if and when, quite frankly, folks in some of our territories start demanding their independence or their statehood. I don't know. That's tough. I The people of Hong Kong have a leg to stand on here by being separate from China already. Whereas I don't think territories here really have much to bargain with. No, that is definitely true. And that's by design. I think it comes down to the strength of economy for that point, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate because it, it basically just means that they really don't have an option. And then you look at what happened in Puerto Rico, for example, with the hurricane. And even though the United States is responsible for them, you know, this administration has really treated them very poorly. And that's an understatement. Yeah. And they've been treated poorly for a very long time. That's so true. Yeah. Well, I would definitely love to hear from any of our listeners who might have more personal insight on this, because we're very, very interested here. Um, And if there's like I said, if there's anything that we could have expanded on or anything that we got wrong, definitely also want to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. Time now to hear from our bays. We asked our bay supporters at patreon.com slash millennial, what would you like us to talk about? Pauline said, as we close off the decade, what are some of the defining moments of the tens? <laughs> Movies, TV shows, politics, celebrity scandals. In the future, when people have a 2010s themed dress up party, what outfit would scream 2010s? So this was also seconded by another Bay, Aaron, and it is a great question. So we're going to save it for December once we're at the end of the year. 
Uh, we actually had this idea as well. I saw some people talking about this um, around the internet already, but I think we should save it for the end of the year to just reflect on the decade that was. So stay tuned for that. I meant to ask you guys about this next one from Alexander. Oh, I can talk about this. Okay, cool. I have feelings. Okay, great. So Alexander (laughs) said, what is your opinion on the SCOTUS decision of Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission? Should we'll break this down question by question. His first question is, should some restriction be placed upon the First Amendment? The answer to this question depends on how you interpret the idea of a restriction on the First Amendment. Like the answer to the question about Citizens United. My interpretation of the First Amendment is that it was not referring to the rights of unions or corporations, that it was referring to the rights of people and individuals. Yeah, it makes sense. In that regard, I feel like there should be restrictions placed upon groups that are trying to act like the First Amendment was written about their multi-billion dollar corporation because it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. His next question is, should businesses like social media companies be forced to introduce guidelines to restrict what can be said? Uh, My platform is pretty simple. No hate speech. I mean, you know, people are playing with fire when they are writing these hateful things online and trying to get people riled up. It's just, you know, it has led to some terrible things in this country and in this world. Something has to be done particularly when it comes to social media companies, I think. And as it relates to the Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission case, that that case was specifically regarding the rights of groups to influence elections during election seasons. Um, so Citizens United in 2008 put out... Um, Well, they had a propaganda film called Hillary the Movie that was an anti-Clinton propaganda film that featured speakers such as Ann Coulter and uh, Newt Gingrich. And they were hoping to play it on TV. And that's that's sort of what the impetus of this whole thing is, is that they were trying to play this slant piece on TV during an election cycle when it could have very well swayed public opinion um, and had a distinct outcome on the the nomination process mm. of the DNC. Mm-hmm. So to answer Alexander's second question, I don't think that social media companies and businesses need to introduce guidelines to restrict what can be said by individual contributors, but there should be guidelines for how involved these influential businesses can get in influencing the outcome of, a, of an election. And um, the the SCOTUS decision on Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission overturned a bipartisan bill um, that was sponsored in part by John McCain saying that they couldn't do that, that there was a limit to the amount of influence these groups could have on the outcome of an election. And this ruling by the Supreme Court threw that limit out the window. Mm -hmm. So there is no limit now. Just to add to what you said about the hate speech, um, I think that 
you know, like when you read things like the First Amendment, it's very bare bones, but there's a lot that like goes into like what you are protected by, like what you are protected for in terms of the First Amendment and what you're not protected for. That's why mass communication law is like so interesting because you could literally spend months and months and months um, learning about cases that were brought forth that argue First Amendment rights versus no First Amendment rights. Um, And one of the things that the First Amendment doesn't protect you for is anything that the public would universally deem as obscene, which is why child pornography is not protected under the First Amendment and you're right to freedom of expression. Um, So I think that when you apply stuff like that to hate speech, I'm actually kind of like really surprised that a lot of it does slip through the cracks Mm. because we have seen a lot of like really brutal and gruesome stuff be said online. So um, I'm kind of like I've been waiting for the to the for the ball to drop on something like that. And it hasn't yet. Uh, But I do think that it's it's like a very interesting aspect of that for sure. All right, so hopefully that enlightened you a little bit, Alexander. A couple more requests. These are lighter. This is from Ning. Best Christmas slash Thanksgiving you've had. Like I said, people are already thinking about the holidays. Oh, that's sweet. Do you have a sweet answer to compliment the sweet question? (laughs) Thanksgiving and Christmas has always been good for me. I'm really fortunate in that regard that um, my family... My immediate family, my nuclear family, we do an excellent job of only being around each other and people that we actually want to see mm-hmm. <laughs> at the holidays. Um, my parents were really good growing up. They never forced us to like go hang out at relatives' houses that we never saw just because it was Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a really common theme amongst a lot of people in my social circle like yeah those memories of like oh we had to go to aunt so-and-so's house because it was thanksgiving i never talked to her otherwise like that's not fun for anybody it's not fun for the aunt who has to prepare the giant ass dinner for a bunch of people she only sees once a year you know right. and it's not fun for the people who don't want to be there in the first place so yeah i feel like they've all this is such a cop-out answer but they've all been good <laughs> well i'm gonna have a shallow answer But I agree with you. I've been lucky in that regard that I've had family gatherings each holiday that we actually all want to attend. But my best Christmas, (laughs) like I said, this is shallow compared to talking about family, is when my parents surprised me with 007 Goldeneye, the video game for Nintendo 64, because I was like 13 or 14 years old. And they, for months, were refusing to let me buy it because, of course, it's a... It's a first-person shooter. You're killing people. There's blood. It's rated, uh, not R, but whatever. It's one of those adult ratings in terms of video games. And so I got it for Christmas. I was completely shocked, and I literally cried (laughs) over receiving Goldeneye. So when I look at my favorite Christmases, I'm looking at the gifts that I got, and Goldeneye was definitely a joy when I received that. So that was my best Christmas. So uh, another good Christmas that I can actually provide some detail on was just a couple years ago. Um, I say this was a good Christmas because it provided some fond memories for me, but there were a couple of stressful points to it um, because uh, I think it was two years ago, uh, Mark had, he developed sciatica, which is basically when the nerve that 
sort of runs through your hip and down your leg gets compressed. It's very painful. And it came on really suddenly for him. Like he was just sitting on the couch, hunched over, drinking a bowl of soup. And I guess the position he was in, Mm. like, made it happen. Mm -hmm. And he literally could not walk uh, for like a few days. Uh And then it got to the point where he was limping for like three months afterwards while he was waiting for the healing to happen. And what really sucked was we had to spend Christmas Eve in the ER (laughs) getting him kind of patched up to the point where he could at least not be in excruciating pain the whole time. Yeah. Um. So I know for him, when he thinks of Christmas Eve that year, all he remembers is laying in the hospital, being in immense pain, and then hearing like, jingle bells, jingle bells <laughs> from the from the hospital like sound system. Yeah. And he was just like, I never want to hear a Christmas carol again. <laughs> um. But then they, you know, they gave him a shot in the butt and then they gave him like the good medicine. So he was good after that. <laughs> and we like went home and he basically spent all of Christmas like collapsed on my parents' couch. Um, but we all just like hung out and he was there. He doesn't really remember it, but it was a good time. Yeah, I've, I've been waiting for the part where you say, and that made it the best Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like when you have good memories but they're complicated yeah yeah like a (laughs) classic story thanksgiving honestly like to be honest with all of you guys listening is a little bit stressful and it's always kind of been that way because my family is or my parents are divorced so um you know we've always had to go to at least two thanksgiving dinners Mm. and even after my brother and i started driving it is kind of like a big old mess um but i think that you know looking back on it we do appreciate the fact that my mom and my dad both made such a big effort to make sure that we were able to spend time with both sides of our families so it is kind of nice in that regard um but like my favorite hands down is just christmas morning not necessarily for like the materialistic stuff um but it's just because you know, that's when all of us kids get together. So me and my my brothers and sisters and we're all over at my stepmom's house. And I don't know, we just have a lot of fun together. And it's really great to have all those memories. And now everybody's like, you know, growing up. And it's just, it's even more special, because I feel like there comes a point where if you have siblings that are younger, they reach a certain age where like all of a sudden it's almost like you're meeting them for the first time over again because they're like little adults and they're not like teenagers or kids running around and stuff like that. So we just have like a lot of fun and we laugh and there's like no pressure to dress up or anything. And um, it's just a lot of fun and there's not any like extra stragglers. So I feel like that's like the the funnest part because we're all just like together and there's like nobody extra that you have to entertain it's just really nice yeah that's cute there is definitely something serene about christmas morning presents aside mm-hmm. it's just uh... do y'all um is christmas eve a big thing for either of y'all's families yeah mm-hmm. with yeah, my mom's side same. of the family that's when we see them christmas eve i feel like christmas eve for me is the the most fun part of it yeah not to say that christmas day isn't but christmas day is just so chill around our house like we just stay in pajamas and we open presents and then we just like eat and drink in comas. yeah <laughs> that's us too that's the party night of the two days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah christmas eve is good too my grandma makes tamales every year and Ooh. so we're just full to the brim of good food and yeah turn it up for santa nice. right <laughs> 
tequila shots all around. That sounds great. There used to be a K-cup called Santa's Buzz for Keurig. I used to love that shit. And then they got rid of it. And I'm still not over it. That's why I just had to bring it up right now. So it's it's not... It doesn't... It's not for alcoholic coffee? No, it's just regular coffee. Oh. But it was so good. It hit the spot. Man, you can't even get it on Amazon anymore. I heard Santa's buzz. And I was like, ooh, I'm interested. <laughs> now it should be a cocktail. <laughs> this is like a, a cocktail beverage. <laughs> it should be. And Megan said, best Thanksgiving food and trash Thanksgiving food. Like trash isn't bad or trash isn't like, this is so bad for you, but it's so good. Uh, I'm thinking she means bad. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I have an answer for that. Uh, for me, best Thanksgiving food is the stuffing. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I love... Same. <laughs> uh, I love bread. So, and then, of course, the bread and butter. <laughs> I'm so lame. And then trash, cranberry sauce. Hate cranberry sauce. So, do you get the cranberry sauce from the can, or does somebody actually make it? I don't know. I don't even think house? about it. I assume my mom makes it, but I don't like it. Well, is it like smooth or is it clumpy when you eat it it's a little clumpy okay so she makes it Mm -hmm. what do you eat it on i don't eat it on anything because i refuse to that's why it's trash well you're a little like really dry turkey it can really turn things around yeah it's you're supposed to eat it on the turkey oh well i haven't tried that so So you get the you get the sweet and savory oh Yeah. yeah maybe like on a piece of white meat though yeah yeah I feel like it does taste tend to taste I'll do better. The gravy. Um, my favorite is that my grandma makes um, a rice with um, green onion and shrimp and bacon, and I don't even like bacon, but this this stuff is so good. So I'm with you guys on the carbs. <laughs> and um, the trash Thanksgiving food is candied yams. I can't get behind them. I think it's super weird. Every year, my my stepmom's family is German, and every year we when we go over to see her, like somebody brings candy in, so my brother and I just like look at each other and we're like, "No, this is a big old nope." Wait, are they sweet potatoes? Yeah, they're like mashed up sweet potatoes or yams, and then they put a bunch of marshmallows on top and then toss that in the oven. I see. Oh, this we now. totally do that. Yeah, I can't <laughs> get behind it. It's so weird. <laughs> I know it's like a big American thing. I just I don't know. Can't do it. Yeah. I not think... that I'm not American, but it's just like, I don't know. We, we always grew up at my grandma's house and she's like super Mexican. We don't do that. All right. And a little related question. This is from me, Bay Andrew. When's the right time to put up Christmas decorations? Because <laughs> I'm kind of ready. After Thanksgiving. Black Friday. Yes. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate that. That's when you can spin the Christmas music to. I loaded up Instagram <laughs> this afternoon and my sister's already setting up her tree. Her and uh, her Republican husband are obsessed with Christmas and they like go all out. And apparently that means November 4th is the day to set up your Christmas decorations. Oh, Jesus. Special elections haven't even happened yet. <laughs> he, well, you know, Republicans, Laura, they just really want to say Merry Christmas. Not happy holidays. Merry Christmas. God, that shit. Like, so I remember when I was in high school and I worked retail, we one year got instructed, okay, we're saying happy holidays this year. Uh, And I was like, okay, whatever, whatever, I'll just do it. And I did. And so many people would very pointedly be like, Merry Christmas. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's happened to me, too. And I was like, okay, I don't know what holiday you celebrate. Yeah, what the fuck? I used to tell people, it's like, how do you know I'm not a Jew? Yeah. And then they would get really quiet and walk away. Yeah, or maybe 
maybe Christmas is a really awful day for you. <laughs> so you don't want to be reminded right. of that day. Holidays okay. But also, I like, don't get people that are so hung up on that, honestly. Also, somebody is wishing you good cheer. Why does it matter what it's about? Yeah. I've I've had Jews wish me happy Hanukkah. I'm not about to correct them and be like, actually, <laughs> I celebrate Christmas. Right. No. Go fuck right. yourself with that. Just go, hey, thanks. Happy holidays to you too, yeah, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Happy Festivus. It'd be like if you're walking your dog in the morning and somebody says to you, good morning, and you say, fuck you. I don't believe in good mornings. I hate mornings. Oh, well, I was just trying to offer a greeting. I don't care. It's not a good morning. Yeah. Okay, Scrooge. Yeah. Morning, Scrooge. (laughs) All right. Well, are you two ready to get holiday shopping? Yes. Mm -hmm. When's the day to start that? ASAP. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there's never enough time honestly i always end up waiting until the last minute yeah yeah well <laughs> that's not really what this ad is about but that works anyway our final sponsor today is one of my favorites because this one is actually going to keep money in your pocket honey giving holiday gifts is great Overspending on all of those gifts is definitely not, so why spend more than you have to? Finding the lowest price is easy if you have Honey. Honey is a free browser extension that automatically finds the best promo codes wherever you shop online and applies them to your cart. You don't have to think about it, it just does it automatically. Whenever I am shopping online, my Honey extension is automatically hooking me up with the discounts. They try promo codes like the ones you hear on the show on the website that you're shopping on. That CBD oil I ordered that I told everybody about earlier, when I was on their checkout page, Honey sprung to life and said, hey, here's a code. And just like that, it saved me 10 bucks. I was so pumped because I wouldn't have saved that money if it weren't for Honey. If you're buying gifts this holiday season, then you need Honey. If you're not, you probably know someone who is. Honey can help make sure that you're getting the best price for whatever you're buying. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. Again, that's joinhoney, joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. Get shopping, get saving. I just freaking love this extension, and I know I've gotten you two into it now, right? Oh, yeah, I use it all the time. Same. (laughs) All right, well, we did get a confessional that was in response to a former confessional, the one that we got on uh, episode 539 about... The person whose husband made the discovery of a secret half-sister through his 23andMe test results. And we had someone for whom this resonated. They wrote in. They said, This struck close to home for me, and I have a lot of feels about this topic since I found out as an adult that I was donor-conceived. My parents told me before DNA testing blew up, but adults finding out through 23andMe or Ancestry is super common because many parents never plan to tell their kids. I'm a part of several online communities for donor-conceived people and people with NPE or not-parent-expected results. For NPEs, sometimes it's a donor situation. Sometimes it was a mix-up at the fertility clinic. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sometimes it's due to an affair, etc. 
I wanted to weigh in on the confessional with a different perspective. First, while every situation is different, most people at least want to know their medical history, even if they don't want to develop a relationship with their biological family. You know how you have to fill out a family history every time you go to a new doctor? Imagine either not knowing half of it or filling it out incorrectly because you don't know who your biological parent really is. Second, there may be a lot of regrets and hard feelings if the father dies before the father and half-sister even have a chance to make that choice, especially if the husband withheld the information. Mm. For me, I was really only looking for my medical history and maybe some ancestry, but now have a relationship with my half-sister from the same donor, as well as my donor father and his kids and his parents. They were thrilled to have us in the family, and it's been a great experience. That's not everyone's story, but you never know unless you make contact. Finally, there actually are options to opt out of the family connections or just close family connections on multiple sites, as well as opting out of law enforcement being able to use your information. However, just because you don't test doesn't mean it can't be figured out. My half-sister found our donor father through some third and fourth cousins who had tested, even though our donor had not. So there really isn't such a thing as anonymity anymore. There are thousands of donor-conceived and NPE people. Odds are someone close to you is one of them, even if they don't know it yet. That's interesting. Thank you so much for sharing. I actually saw an episode of What Would You Do about this recently. I think I saw the same one where they were in the diner. <laughs> yeah. And she like gets <laughs> yeah, the results of her too. DNA test. Yeah. And she's like, what? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for writing in with that. Yeah. And we also have, speaking of what would you do, we also have a would you rather for everyone this week. And I feel like this is pretty apropos given our conversation about speed reading. Would you rather lose the ability to speak or lose the ability to read. This one's really hard for me. Considering so, our livelihood is based on speaking. Yes. Right. And <laughs> really reading as well. But okay. So okay, look, I know that the technology is so good. I'm sure you could ask theory to read you the headlines. So oh, because of that and my faith in technology, I'm gonna go for lose the ability to read. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing because my thought was we could always ask somebody to read something to us. Right. We couldn't always ask somebody to speak for us, you know? Yeah. Right. That's so true. Well, Plus, I feel like I would get lonely not uh, being able to speak. It would break my heart, though. I love reading. Me too. You two are, or Pam, you're talking about tech. You can use technology to type and and speak that message, and we'll probably be at a place someday where it can replicate voices perfectly. Yeah, but that's true. In our lifetimes? 50 years? I'm just imagining us on the show sounding all robotic. I don't think it would go over well. No. That would be funny to do sometime, though. At least for a segment. (laughs) It's our smooth tones that make the show. (laughs) We just type, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine how easy the editing would be, though. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I will say I'd rather lose the ability to read as well. I wish we were differing here, but you two are right. It's It would be much it's, worse. It's all about telling the truth. Although um, Kate in the Discord said, I would rather lose the ability to speak. 
assuming speaking only means verbal communication, if I could still use text, email, or handwritten notes, I think I'd be okay. Yes, you could still use those things because you could still read and write. This doesn't, it's a one or the other. And also from an introverted perspective, wouldn't we actually like to lose the ability to speak? go to parties we just sit there like a dog (laughs) we don't have to respond do that anyway ultimately good for you as an introvert to have that ability i know but think about how great it would be (laughs) anyway we just (laughs) built an excuse i am honestly always jealous of my dog that he just does not have to ever respond to anything i think that's awesome So I'm changing my answer. I want to lose the ability to speak. I want to be an animal. <laughs> yeah, but what if somebody says something really rude and you want to defend yourself? I'll bite them like Brooklyn does. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely transform into Brooklyn. Yeah, or I'll write out, hey, asshole. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> and I'll, st- I'll stick it in their face and I'll make an angry face. <laughs> Okay, time now for recommendations. I want to recommend something that I wish I had, but I don't. Holidays are coming up. Somebody use honey and give me a good deal on these taco holders. I want taco holders. Do either of you have taco holders? Why do you want them? Because like tonight, I put four tacos on my plate and they're just laying flat and they're hard to make because the stuff can fall out because the tortillas are just laying flat. If I have taco holders, they'll be in that perfect U-shape anyway. Then I just scoop the ingredients into the taco and they'll stay put. And then they're all nice and organized when I go to woof them down. Hard shell tacos, are you talking about? No, soft. Oh, I'll I'll show you how to make sure that most of them stand up on your plate. Well, I know you can like kind of do it yourself. Yeah, just like put the tortilla, you know, like you, two will be like the two on the ends will be flat, half flat. Yeah. But you can definitely like ho- hoist the other ones up. Yeah, but sometimes they'll fold over and then it's hard for me to insert the ingredients. Uh, well, yeah, because you have to like prep the ingredients first and then kind of like scooch them over. Okay, Or I can just order taco holders and all my problems will be solved. Taco holders. Okay, fair. Look, I'm trying to save you money. Honey can only go so far. <laughs> this is this is a subtle hint at what I want for Christmas. I just know they would enrich my life and then I would be able to recommend them genuinely. Um, I'd like to recommend the Explained series on Netflix. They dive into everything from the economy to animal learning, linguistics, um billionaires i actually just watched uh, an episode about billionaires and how people have successfully managed to work the system to become billionaires and it made me really angry (laughs) (laughs) um but it's really really good there's basically every weird topic you've ever wondered about and went on google about they have an episode about it it's pretty cool cool and i wanted to recommend queer eye we're in japan it's a four part mini series um and it's just as wonderful as the regular queer eye but i i just really enjoyed this set of four episodes and i think it's so cool that despite cultural differences because there are a lot between you know americans and and japanese people the 
overall message of what Queer Eye does, it still transcends. And it's yeah. like even more beautiful when you think about it that way. Anyway, it's great. Grab the tissues and some popcorn and and just, yeah, go watch that because it's lovely. Yeah, I've watched three of the four episodes. I loved the episode with the gay couple. And it made me think, why can't really every episode star a gay or gay couples? I know... I'm being biased and and stupid, but I just really love those episodes. So if they could do more of that, that would be great. Get ready for the last one, though. That one was like, it broke my heart. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was shocked. That does it for today's episode. If you would like to get in touch with us to sound off on anything we have discussed today, just email millennialshow at gmail.com. Or use the website, millennialshow.com, and there is a link to a contact form at the top. We also have our confessional there. And do please follow us on social media, Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I do see that we crossed 1,000 followers on Instagram, so thank you, everybody who follows us there, and especially the people who pushed us over that threshold in the past week. And we would love your support on Patreon. Patreon.com slash millennial keeps this show funded and going. Pam, what's coming up in After Dark today? So uh, Delta was in the news uh, earlier this last week. Well, actually for the past few weeks, because apparently a few popular movies featuring some gay love storylines were altered for their in-flight entertainment. And we're going to be talking about that. All right. So today's closing song will be from MCR in light of their big reunion news yes oh my god my little emo self has just been so excited (laughs) it was my soundtrack the entire weekend anytime i went somewhere it was just volume all the way up just feeling all of my 16 year old feels oh that's so cute still holds up it does this one goes out to laura thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm laura and i'm pamela (laughs) bye everyone To join the Black Parade. Hey, when I was a young boy. Yes. My father (laughs) took me into the city. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Ew. I don't know what you're, I don't, I'm sure you're referencing a song, but I don't know what. Well, I was beginning. I was Black Parade. Oh. I was referencing the song you were just singing. <laughs> when I was a boy, my father. Died. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know the song. Why did you go Bob Dylan? <laughs> I'm trying to talk like a punk. <laughs> like a punk. Yeah. To join the bla- to join the Black <laughs> Parade. No, they're that's, email. That's your Bob Dylan impression officially from now Bob on. Dylan does MCR. <laughs> <laughs>